Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. get into today's message and and we're actually going to close out our series called blessed somebody say i am blessed you know and and i've been so excited because every week every week um since we started this series for the last six or eight weeks i i, I get to hear testimonies about uh from people who just during this season just during this time have began to to put into practice the principles of god's word and they are seeing results they are seeing the the, the blessings of god they are seeing god come through and 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 we have heard testimonies about people getting raises promotions we've heard uh, i've heard personally a couple of testimonies how God has literally canceled out thousands of dollars of debt just like that just like that and you know and 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 I get excited and I know that a lot of pastors kind of shy away from teaching on giving and generosity because it almost seems a little bit self-serving but let me tell you I, I I don't because I know that I've got to give you the key so that you can access the fullness of the blessing of God in your life and we have just been hearing all of these testimonies and of, of people just sharing pastor you know I, I wasn't doing it I was afraid to do it I didn't know how to do it, whatever it was but the moment that I started doing it God began to activate the the blessing God began to to move in my life and I began to see uh, God's hand of blessing and provision in my life and last week we talked about that that battle that often gets waged within the inside of us when it comes to generosity it's a it's that battle between the greed and the generosity and and let me tell you that this is a battle that generosity must win this is a battle that that must win in your life and the reason is is because when you begin to walk in that level of generosity uh, you're, you're going to begin to experience all of these these supernatural occurrences in your life all of this 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 favor that God has has for you but you know there's something about generosity generosity that will help you recognize it when you see it and and that is that generosity is extravagant generosity is extravagant and when you've got to be prepared and you've got to know that when you begin to walk in extravagant generosity it's going to call the haters out it, you, you're going to be judged you're going to be criticized you're going to be talked about you're going to be called names you're going to be called crazy i can't believe you gave that much and i can't believe you're giving your money to the church and how much did the pastor ask for and, and how much did you do you've got to realize from the get-go that every time you step out in faith and you begin to move in generosity there's always going to be haters that are going to come out to try to, to to judge you and criticize you why because generosity always exposes greed It, it always does it, it it makes greed uncomfortable and and the only way that they know how to counteract your generosity is to is through criticize them in fact we, we saw that you know in 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 the story last week where Mary Martha's sister gave this extravagant gift to Jesus she gave the, the equivalent of a year's wages as she began to pour out that that perfume on his feet that was such 
such an extravagant gift. But what would, what would constitute an extravagant gift today? What would, what would constitute an extravagant gift today? Now, before we answer that, we, we must remember, like we've talked about, that God owns everything. He owns all of the wealth, all, all, all of the wealth of heaven and on the earth. The Bible says that he owns all of the silver and all of the gold and even a cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. In fact, King David, one of the wealthiest men that ever walked and lived on the face of the earth, he understood this principle. And that's why he was able to be so extravagant in his love and the expression of generosity towards God. He wrote in Psalm 24, 1, he said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to to him. And, and so when we talk about the tithe, we, we said that when we give tithe, we're not giving God, we're returning to God what's rightfully his. Now, what we've got to recognize is that when God calls us to be generous, we're not giving because everything is God's and it came from him. But but think about this for a moment. Is there anything that we could ever do? Is there any level of gift that we could ever give that would impress God? Is there anything that we could ever give that would impress God? I mean, would it be a million dollars? Would it be a hundred billion? Would that constitute an extravagant gift? If God owns everything, how would it be possible to give a God an extravagant gift if everything already belongs him. I don't know if you've ever been in, in that position where, you know, you, you're having a name exchange or, or something, a gift exchange, and you have to give the person that has everything. You're like, God, what do I give them? Like, you're thinking like a pair of socks? I don't know. You know, they, they own everything. Uh, what, what could you give? And, and imagine, what could we ever give to God that could impress him? It's not, like, like we saw last week, it's not the, the quantity that we could ever impress God. There, there's nothing we could do that could ever impress him. In fact, that's what Jesus was pointing out when, when he saw all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of these wealthy people come in, coming into the synagogue, bringing all of these, this, this, this abundance of offering and gifts to God. And then all of a sudden, this widow comes in with two coins and she drops her two coins into the offering basket, into the offering plate. And Jesus stops everything. He stops all the fanfare. He says, wait a minute. I I've got news for you guys. You guys think that you've been giving so much, but I'm here to tell you that this woman gave more than all of you. You know that there's only one gift that we could ever possibly give to God that would constitute an extravagant gift, and that is your heart and yourself. And, and that's what the widow did that day. It, it wasn't the quantity of gift. If you try to quantify, like, how could two coins ever be more than hundreds of thousands of, of, of coins? How could that happen? It's because that's what the widow was doing. She was saying, God, you, you are my everything. Everything I have comes from you, and I'm giving it back to you. That's what the widow was saying. So the only thing that we could ever give to God that he would deem extravagant would be our heart or ourselves. And that's what 
even Mary was doing that day. When she took that expensive perfumed oil, which was only a symbol or a token representing the fact that all of her heart belonged to Jesus. She was saying, God, Jesus, everything that I have, all of this legacy, my inheritance, nothing is more valuable than having you in my life and having you here. Now, now imagine what would cause Mary to give such an extravagant gift. Now, I, I, I believe that the answer is probably found in the previous chapter. Do you remember what happened in John chapter 11? Jesus raised Mary and Martha, Martha's brother Lazarus from the dead. And then a chapter later, that's when Mary gave her most precious and prized possession to the Lord. Is it possible that the events, that whatever occurred in John chapter 11 gave Mary a, a new perspective, could burying her brother and, and, and having him lie in the grave for four days and then all of a sudden seeing him come back to life, you know, just at the very word of Jesus, could that be something that would change Mary's values and, and priorities? Maybe it was at that moment that Mary realized that material possessions didn't seem to matter that much and so when, when we understand God's goodness and we experience can you imagine what would you be willing to give to see that loved one that that has been suffering that was sick or maybe seeing that loved one that just passed away what would you be willing to give I know that there's wealthy people in the world that would be willing to give up everything just to have their health back maybe just to have their spouse back maybe just to have that son or daughter that they had to bear or maybe to have that son or daughter that's lost, living on the streets, addicted to drugs or, or alcohol. What do you think they would be willing to give up the mansions and the cars just to have everything? Because when it comes down to it, when you look at the real realities of life, there are some things that matter so much more than money. And I think that's what happened with Mary. Seeing her brother Lazarus suffer from this illness so much that that her and Martha desperately sought after Jesus they sent him a message that Jesus hurry come Lazarus the one that you love he's sick and he's about to die they they called for him and and what does Jesus do he delays himself and he shows up late by 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 all occurrences and by by Mary's and Martha's expectation he shows up only to find that Lazarus was already dead for four days And then all of a sudden, at the very word of Jesus, that brother that they buried comes back to life. What would you be willing to give to see that level of miracle and blessing in your life? Because the reality is that, that material possessions often lose their shine. You know, I, I remember growing up, I've, I've always been, I've always liked shoes. That's That was just me. Even as a child back in the, in the 70s, a long time ago, yes, I know. You're like, 70s? Are you like ancient? When you, you as a seven or eight-year-old kid, you can roam the mall by yourself. Like, don't, you can't do that now. But back in the day, I'd go to the mall or we'd go to Montgomery Ward. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. Or, <laughs> or, or Kmart, as your grandma would call it, right? Kmart's. Um, and you would go, and, and I would just begin to wander the store But my parents always knew that they could either find me in two places, either the sporting goods or the shoe department. 
That's where I was. I didn't go to the toys. I was at the sporting goods looking at all the baseballs, basketballs, footballs, or I was looking at the shoes. And, and growing up, there, there was this, this brand of shoes called Stride Right, and they would show these commercials that these guys that would wear Stride Right shoes that they could jump over trees and houses. And I would stand there looking and say, man, if I had those shoes, imagine the houses I could jump over. Advertising works, you know, and I'd be like, man, I could jump over trees and houses and and I would do that. I love shoes. And so when I would get a brand new pair of shoes, what I do, even to this day, I make sure they are laced up perfectly. My laces can't be crooked. They have to be straight. Like I did. And, and so I would take them off and, and I would put my laces inside. And I'm talking as a six, seven, eight-year-old little kid. Like, I love shoes. And, and I would take them off, you know, the first day and, 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 and put them on, on, on my dresser right on top of the box. And I'd go to sleep looking at them, <laughs> thinking about the houses and trees I was going to jump tomorrow. <laughs> but after time, what would happen? I'd take a shoe, throw it out, throw it out. Over time, these, these things fade. You, you end up buying that, that nice car, that car that you wanted, that truck that you wanted. But then all of a sudden, they come out with a new model with a totally different body type. You're like, oh, I need that one. Before, you were washing that truck every day. And then uh, after a couple of years, you know, it might get around to it every, you know, every two months or so. Why? Because things fade. The, the value of Things fade. Possessions, you begin to realize, don't matter so much. And, and, and I believe that when we get a glimpse of what Jesus can do for the people we love, that, that has a way of, of changing our perspective. And maybe that's what needs to happen to us as well. See, you've got to realize that when you begin to give and you begin to honor God, whether it's with your tithes or your first fruits or, or your offerings, or, or he leads you to sow a, a significant or extravagant seed into the kingdom, you've got to realize that you're not just giving to give. God has a purpose for every gift. Every time you give, you are giving to a purpose. You are giving to build the kingdom. You are giving so that other people can have and experience what you get to experience every Sunday here at Access Church. Because you give, we have the technology and the equipment, and we have people all over the world that are watching and listening and hearing the message. They're hearing what God is doing here at Access Church. Why? Because you're giving. What would you be willing to give to have your son or daughter here at church today? What would you be willing to, to give to have your family who's lost in sin, who is broken be here today when you give you have to realize that there is a purpose for every gift don't you think that we should have the same perspective that mary had see a generous heart stems from a grateful heart. I, I heard someone once say that what consumes your mind will control your life so practice gratitude I think most of us find that what consumes our mind the most is often fear, worry, comparison. And, and if we don't watch out, all of these things can control us. Imagine how different our lives would be if gratitude consumed our minds. Why? Because gratitude is about 
connection. Gratitude is the connection between every good. Just like James says that every good gift comes from the Lord. When you recognize that it is God that gives you the ability. It is God that gives you health. It is God that gives you strength. It is God that, that blesses you every day. When you realize that God's blessings don't come to you because you're good, but because he is good, then that begins to create a heart of gratitude. So gratitude is that connection between every good in life and your life. It is the power of realizing life's blessings can only become quenched by familiarity, fear, and comparison. And the moment we lose gratitude, that connection can be cut off. See, gratitude is a switch that can connect us to the blessings of God. And gratitude by its nature is the realization that we have received from a source beyond ourselves. And if we are grateful, it means we received it. It means that you are not the source. So the very nature of gratitude defines our position. So when Jesus sent out his disciples to go and serve others in Matthew 10, 8, look at what he says. He says, give as freely as you have received. What, what, what is he saying? He's making the connection between how we receive and how we give, between gratitude and generosity. He doesn't just tell them to go and give freely. He tells them that they should give freely because it is a reflection on how they have received. And giving freely begins with realizing that you have received freely, not because you deserve it, not because you're good, but because God is good. And those that struggle with giving, those that, that struggle with giving to God, those that struggle with tithing and giving their first fruits and even giving offerings is because you have not made the connection. You've got to realize that you are living and breathing today because God is good. The sun rose up in the sky this morning. Maybe you couldn't see it because of the clouds. It's because God is good. It means God is still in control. And I'm here to tell you that when you recognize the goodness of God in every good in your life, you begin to develop a heart of gratitude. And when you develop a heart of gratitude, generosity comes along. See, Mary was generous. It was a reflection of her gratitude for what Jesus had done for her. Matthew and Mark also record the account of Mary's extravagant gift. Mary, but Mark also records some words that Jesus that of Jesus that John didn't. See, after Judas complained about the waste of the precious oil, Jesus responded by saying in Mark 14, 8, she has done what she could. She has become beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Remember that Jesus' body was taken off the cross just before the Sabbath was to begin at sundown. So that means that they had to quickly wrap Jesus' body in cloth and lay him in the tomb. They didn't have time to anoint his body, to prepare his body for burial with perfumed oils or spices as they normally would. Now think about it that the only person on earth who received the privilege of anointing Jesus' body for burial was Mary. Now, she didn't understand that. She didn't know what she was doing until Jesus said, she has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. So sometimes when we give obedient and extravagantly at the prompting of the Spirit, we have no idea what God is doing. You've got to realize that as God is moving you to sow a seed, your seed becomes someone else's miracle. 
There is someone that might be in need. There is someone that might be struggling. There is someone that is praying for a breakthrough in your life. And God has blessed you and he has given you and he's been generous with you. He has prospered you. And that moment that the Holy Spirit begins to tell you, you know what? You see that single mom pumping gas at the gas station. You don't realize that she's struggling. Maybe she's only putting in $2 because that's all she has. And that's only enough to get her to work. And she's there in anguish thinking, how? am I going to get back home? I'm not even going to have enough gas to go pick up my kids from school or daycare. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, I want you to go and I want you to pay and I want you to pray and I want you to put gas in her car. It's because your seed becomes someone else's miracle. And God has blessed you to be a blessing. Remember, we go all the way back to Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you and you will be seen as a blessing. He was telling Abraham, your blessing means that you will be able to be a blessing. And when the devil tries to stop you from giving, he's he's cutting off someone's breakthrough. He's cutting off someone else's blessing. He's cutting off someone's miracle. So when God begins to nudge your heart, say, I want you to give. I want you to step out. Maybe you're you're, you're at H-E-B and, and the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to pay for that person's groceries ahead of you. Let me tell you, you never know the miracle that God is having you to be when you begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Your seed becomes someone else's miracle. And when the enemy can stop you from giving and sowing extravagantly, You don't realize that you're cutting off someone else's blessing. You you don't realize what's going to happen. I remember years ago... We were, we were in, in, in Mexico, and, and we were traveling, and we happened to get to Ciudad Victoria, Tamaulipas. We were at a, a conference that some pastors invited us to, so we went as guests, and we were going to be there, but we had to leave that weekend to go preach in Torreón, Coahuila, and, and we were there, and let me tell you that it was a moment that we were, we were struggling financially. It was a moment that, that we didn't have a lot, and I actually remember looking at my wallet, and all I had was 500 pesos, which at the time was the equivalent of about $50. That would not have been enough for us to get from Ciudad Victoria all the way to Torreón. And we were there at the conference and it was Saturday. It was, it was Saturday morning. And they had this guest pastor from Uruguay that was that was that was preaching. And, and as, as they were, pre- man, he was just sharing his heart. He was crying out. He was telling the people of, of the great move of God that God was doing in their ministry and in their, in, their, in their church, in their country. And all of a sudden, in this church in Mexico, a third world country with a third world economy, people spontaneously started giving up, getting up and started coming and putting offerings on the altar, putting offerings. I remember there was this little, this, this little girl that came up with, with a, a a, a, a coin of 10 pesos. The, the stage was probably a little bit higher, maybe about four or five feet. And she goes to the altar, she goes, boom, like that, and flips it on the stage. And then she turns around and goes, you know? And I was like, wow. And people just started giving. And I remember at that moment, I opened my wallet and I thought, man, I don't have money to give. I, I, I don't have anything to give. I, I need that to get to go preach. Can you imagine me calling the pastor? Hey, I can't go preach because I've got no money. And I remember saying, God, I really want to give. I want to sow into that ministry. 
I don't have anything to give. And God says, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. He said, how about that brand new iPad? I was like, what iPad? I had just, the iPads had just come out. I had just was blessed with an iPad. Somebody blessed me. They gave me an iPad so I could have an iPad. I said, God, I need an iPad. I used to travel with a book bag that had four or five books. And I thought, man, if I had an iPad, I would have all of my notes to all of my sermons. I'd have all of the books. I'd have my complete library. I wouldn't have to look around all of these books and commentaries that I always have. I would have it all there. God, I need it. And God says, I want you to take that iPad and I want you to go put it on the altar. Amazingly, I had no signal, no connection. Can't hear you, God. But that nudging, that nudging just began to, to move. And I remember almost in tears. <laughs> I wasn't at the level of worship. I was still at the level of sacrifice, okay? I wasn't quite there yet. And I remember walking up through the iPad. I pulled the iPad and the cord and everything out of, the, out of my bag. And I walked up. I didn't have that. Because I was making this. God, like, I've got like, to reprogram it. I've got to set it up for him. Like, really, I've got to do that? God says, no, you've got to give it now. And I remember I walked up there reluctantly, like a little kid, not like, like that. I was like in pain and anguish. Okay, God, if you really want me to do this, I'm going to do it. And I put it on the altar, and I went back. And we, we went to lunch, and God worked it out. I, I, I didn't expect that, but we went to lunch with the pastors, and the guest pastor was there, and, and they said, hey, you're the one that gave that iPad. I was like, don't remind me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I said, Man, I, I need to set it up. So I went, and I programmed it for him. I got it all set up, set him up with everything, and and I remember we were getting ready to, to head out to Torreon with 500 pesos, $50. I don't know how far we were going to get. When I get a text message from a friend of mine from Merida, Yucatan. He said, Pastor, he said, will you do me a favor? Will you check your bank account? Because I just deposited some money and I want to make sure you got it. I was like, Okay. <laughs> So we didn't have mobile banking then, so I had to go to ATM and I put in the card, hoping it wouldn't eat it up and shred it up, because times was bad, right? It was one of those times where you had zero in your account for a long time, and uh, praying that they didn't close it yet, and I put it in there, and there was 5,000 pesos, which was the equivalent of $500. Can you imagine, because of my obedience... God multiplied my 500 pesos. I'm not going to even do the math. That's too hard from 500 to 5,000. Someone do that for me. But Matt, he's a math whiz. But that's what God did. And we were able to get there. But you know what? God didn't stop there. About two weeks later, we were in, back in Merida, Yucatan, and I'm preaching, and I'm sharing the testimony of God's faithful. I'm sharing the testimony. And the lead pastor of that church is sitting in the front row, and he begins to go, oh, like he was, like he was in pain. And I was preaching. He's like, oh. <laughs> and, and I was sharing how God was doing and, and, and blessing and, and, and on generosity. And so then we go to lunch, and every time he would look at me, he'd be like, oh, like, dude, he got heartburn. I don't know. Like, <laughs> something's going on with this guy. 
And so we get back to their house where they were hosting us. He's a pastor. Sit down. I've got to do something. But he was like literally acting in anguish when I'm sitting there in the living room. And he goes upstairs. He goes to his office. And he comes back with the brand new MacBook Pro. But he had me blindfolded. And all I heard was him in anguish and pain. I didn't know what was going on. And I take it off. He says, open the box. And I open it. And it was a brand new MacBook Pro. Can Yeah, give God some praise for that. Now, can you imagine in that moment, if I would have resisted the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit... I became a blessing to the pastor in Uruguay. That, that iPad for him was God telling him, son, keep going, keep doing. I am with you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless you beyond your imagination. What was crazy, he had no clue what an iPad was. And when he got back, and it was like, oh, you have an iPad? He goes, yeah, but he had no idea what I had given him. Later on, he messages me on Facebook and says, pastor, thank you so much. I finally figured out what it was that you gave me. But my seed was his blessing. Was, was God reminding him that he is going to provide, that God is going to take care of not only the things that he needs, but even the things that he didn't even know he needed because that's how good God was. But God doesn't stop there. When you begin to sow in the kingdom and you begin to walk in generosity, then let me tell you that God is going to unleash an abundant amount of blessings. And not only did I get the 5,000 pesos to be able to go and preach, but God blessed me with a brand new MacBook Pro, something I thought was way out of my reach, something that would have been way out of my budget. There was no way that I would have ever been able to buy that out of my own resources. So the pastor was still on the level of sacrifice. He was hurting. But you know what? Later on, God told me I had to give that away too, so I did. But let me tell you, I've learned that you never outgive God. Why? Because God always rewards generosity. That's just that's just who he, who he is. You know, that, that's what happens. You know, after Jesus heard Judas giving Mary a hard time for being extravagant, he made an interesting comment, Matthew 26, 13. He says, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. When Mary came to anoint Jesus with her oil, I, I doubt she was saying to herself, oh man, this is going to make me insta-famous. Somebody filmed this. You know, somebody record this. Somebody, somebody post this. I, I doubt she was thinking that, that this was going to be talked about for years. All she knew that she was so in love. She was so grateful that she wanted to express her love to Jesus. See, generosity doesn't give to get. Generosity doesn't give to receive. But generosity is always re- rewarded by God. If you give, let me tell you that God is going to bless you. In fact, Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given unto you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, when you give to God, when you sow, let me tell you that God is going 
to bless you. One of the principles that we talked about is this, is that you will sow, but you will always harvest more than you sow. So here in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is once again affirming the kingdom principle of reaping what you sow. You will reap according to what you sow. Because a lot of people say, well, Jesus wasn't talking about giving, giving of money. Because if you look at 637, he says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or or it will come back to you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. What was he doing? He was reaffirming that in the kingdom of God, whatever you reap, that's what you're going to sow. If you reap judgment, you'll harvest. If you sow judgment, you'll reap judgment. If you sow condemnation, condemnation, you'll reap condemnation. If you sow forgiveness, you will reap forgiveness. He once again is saying that whatever you sow, you are going to reap. And that's just the way that is. It doesn't matter what you sow. If you sow love, if you sow peace, if you sow joy, then that's what you're going to reap. If you sow hate, if you sow criticism, if you sow condemnation, if you sow judgment on people, that is what you're going to reap. And that's what Jesus is saying. And what he says, but when I give to you, 638, it's going to be given back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured in your lap. And there is no power in heaven or hell that can stop it. You're just going to have to realize I know you're not giving to get. I know you're not giving to receive. Nevertheless, the blessing is the fruit of giving. That's just the way it is, and you can't get out of it. If God would not reward, then he would have to violate his own nature because God is a rewarder. That's just what he does. I've seen it in my life. Now, now, let me tell you this. That, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be times of testing. That doesn't mean that you're not going to go through difficult times. In fact, you say, well, pastor, you were giving and you only had 500 pesos. Where is God in that? See, let me tell you that sometimes God will allow you to go through situations and circumstances so he can test you. Why? Because it is the test that builds your faith. And if God is building your faith, it means that he's getting ready to promote you to the next level because every level of glory requires a greater level of faith. And God wants to take you from glory to glory. But I'm here to tell you that this level of faith was good for this level of glory. But for those of you that want to go up, for those of you that want to go higher, for those of you that want to begin to walk in the fullness of God's glory, it's going to require greater faith. And so every time you need a greater faith, you are going to go through a time of testing. See, that's what the, that's what the desert was for the Israelites. The Israelites was a testing time. God said, I am going to take you to a land that would overflow with milk and honey. But what happened along the way, they were going to face battles that were going to put their faith to the test. They were going to face walls that were massive. They were going to face giants. They were going to face armies that were greater, stronger, and, and, and more equipped than they were. So God says, I need them to go through a testing so that I can build your faith. Those of you that go to the gym know that you cannot build muscle unless there is resistance. And so those times of testing is, is times of resistance that God is building your faith. So if your faith is being tested, get ready because God is getting ready to promote you. God is getting ready to take you to the next level. And if you're okay and if you're complacent and comfortable at this faith, then you won't need to go through the testing. But if you're like me and you want to walk in the fullness of God's favor and the fullness of God's blessing, you you will be tested.
But even in the testing, God will be faithful. God will show up. God will be with you. Why? Because generosity is always rewarded. We talked about it. That in the beginning, when we started this series, that obedience activates the blessing in your life. And blessing is generosity's reward. And what is blessing? Blessing is not stuff. Blessing is not things. The blessing of the Lord is a mantle that causes you to, 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 to prosper. It provokes you to prosper. It provokes you to be pro productive. It produ provokes you to produce. Remember, my definition of blessing is the supernatural grace and favor of God overlaid onto our ability that produces supernatural results or glory. In other words, the mantle is God's commanded blessing over your life. And when you carry that mantle, it doesn't matter where they put you. It doesn't matter where they try to hide you. It doesn't matter how they try to black blacklist you, try to defame you or disparage you. That mantle that you carry is always going to prosper. They can put you in the pit. They can put you in the prison. They can put you out in the pasture. It doesn't matter. When you have the mantle of blessing, you are always going to prosper. Just like with with with, with uh we, we saw that in Isaac's life when he, he would he would say, Okay, well, whatever cows are produced that have all white or black and white spots and those are yours and what happened everything that was told him that he would be his began to be produced after that kind that is what happens when you walk in that level of blessing and that level of favor they may try to blackball you they may try to blacklist you they may hate on you they may criticize you but when you have the mantle of blessing on your life it doesn't matter what hell tries to do it doesn't matter how hell tries to stop you when heaven starts and hell cannot stop it the blessing of God and the bottom line is this is the enemy cannot curse what God has blessed it can't it, the, the blessing of God is this level of protection that overlays your life, that overlays your family, your marriage, your children. It is the blessing of God. Yes, the enemy's out there to steal, kill, and draw, destroy. He's going to try and stop it. But I'm here to tell you that if God blessed it, the devil cannot curse it. I'm reminded of Numbers chapter 20, 23 and 24. The Israelites had just come out of, out, of, out of Egypt and they found themselves in a valley. Valley represents a moment of, of vulnerability. Every military strategist would tell you the last place you want to be is in a valley because you're stuck, you're stagnant, you're, you're, you're just a sitting duck. Any army that has the higher, the higher ground position has the advantage. And yet here the children of Israel, they found themselves in a valley. They were open and King Balak saw, this is my opportunity. I've got them right where I want. I'm going to get a prophet to come and curse them. So he finds Balaam. And he goes to Balaam. He says, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to make you rich. And all you have to do is curse Israel. So Balaam says, that's a pretty good deal. I, I call, he was a for-profit prophet. 
Some of you will get that later. And he goes up to the mountaintop. Israel was in the valley, vulnerable. See, the enemy will always attack when you're vulnerable. The enemy will always attack at your weakest, when you're frustrated, you're tired, you're irritable, when, when you're desperate, when you feel like you can't make it. That's when the enemy is going to unleash his greatest attack. But that's when you need the mantle of blessing, of protection and provision and favor over your life. And there they were. So Balaam goes up and he begins to try to curse the children of Israel. But every time he tries to release a curse, instead of a curse, a blessing comes out. Every time he tries to speak something negative, something positive comes out. He comes back down and Balaam is, Balak the king is mad. He's like, wait a minute. I'm not paying you to bless them. I'm paying you to curse them. He says, king, I don't know what to tell you. I already told you that I can only say what God allows me to say. And when I try to curse them, instead of a curse, blessing goes out. The Bible says that he did that three times. And every time, instead of a curse, he released blessing. Let's pick it up. Numbers 24 10 says, And King Balak flew into a rage against Balaam. He angrily clapped his hands and shouted, I called you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them three times. Now go and get out of here. Go back home. I promise to reward you richly, but the Lord has kept you from your reward. Verse 12, Balaam told Balak, Don't you remember what I told your messengers? I said, Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless. I'm here to tell you that the blessing of man the mantle of blessing over your life renders the enemy powerless over your life. When you have the blessing, the enemy is powerless to destroy. The enemy is powerless to steal. The enemy is powerless to kill. He's saying, there's nothing I can do. They have something upon them that renders them powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord. I told you that I could only say what the Lord says. So every time he would try to curse them, instead of a curse the blessing the bible puts it this way that whatever the meant the enemy meant for evil god will turn it around for good paul writes in romans that everything is going to work out for your good that means that every time the enemy tries to send a curse all he's doing is giving god the building blocks for your blessing every time the enemy tries to curse you all he's doing is giving god the building blocks for your breakthrough every time the enemy tries to curse you all he's doing is giving the enemy the building blocks for your miracle so let him speak curse because God will turn what the enemy meant for evil and he will turn it around for your good. The Bible says it this way. No weapon, no strategy, no scheme of the enemy formed against you will prosper because you're covered in the mantle. You have this, this bulletproof protection from the curses. Yes, the enemy's going to try to attack. But every time he tries to release a curse instead of a curse, God says, okay, I can take that and turn it into your blessing. That's why we often say in the kingdom of God, oftentimes what things look like a setback is really a setup because that's how God works in your life. Things that you think like it didn't work out according to your plan. Don't worry, it's not a setback. It's just a set up. God is about to release a mantle of blessing over your life. Are you ready, Access Church, to walk in generosity, to walk in the fullness? Now, 
Not every, not every seed is going to be sown here at church. I want you to know that this is not just for the church. Yes, there's going to be sometimes that God is going to instill in your heart to sow to, to initiative, to a project, to a ministry. Yes, there's going to be times, but sometimes that seed that you're going to sow is going to be out in the community paying for someone's coffee at Starbucks. Just saying. Or someone's gas at Stripes. Or someone's stake at Texas Roadhouse when they finally build it. Just saying. I just... Sometimes that's how it's going to be. But remember that your seed is someone else's blessing. Your seed is someone else's miracle. Don't cut the flow. Just the way that my iPad became a blessing but that blessing was my seed that allowed my that allowed me to reap a MacBook Pro, which my blessing was that pastor seed, and that pastor began to get blessed. Let me tell you, we create this flow, this domino effect of blessing after blessing after blessing, because that's what God does. Generosity is always rewarded. Will you stand? I had to finish quickly because the Cowboys are playing. Man, Pastor, you done already? We have priorities here at Access Church. You know what? Let's walk in generosity. Can you imagine what would take place if we would walk in that extravagant level of worship that whatever we have, we give to God because there's a purpose for every gift, but every time your seed is someone else's miracle. Your seed will produce and generosity is always rewarded. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. My prayer as the lead pastor of Access Church is that we would be a generous church, that we would be generous people, that when people think of Access Church, it would be synonymous with generosity. It would be synonymous with giving, but not just with things, not just with money. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's encouragement. Whatever it is, God, we want to be generous. Just like you told the disciples, freely give as freely you have received. God, we want to give everything so freely that we have received from you freely. God, let us be generous. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.